Ayah number 127. وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ And recall when Ibrahim a.s. he was raising the foundations. The foundations of what? مِنَ الْبَيْتِ Of the house. Which house? The house of Allah, the Kaaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us about the time when Ibrahim a.s. constructed the Kaaba. Notice what is and recall this, mention this, remember this. This is worth remembering. This incident must not be forgotten. This time when Ibrahim was constructing the Kaaba should not be forgotten, lost in history. No, this was a very important occasion from which many lessons can be learned. In the previous verses, we learned about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the Kaaba, the house of Allah, mathabatan linnas. What is mathabatan linnas? A place of return. A place where people constantly go back to, whether physically or with their hearts. They constantly remember. Because it's the place of the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also told us that how He made that place, a place of peace, a place of safety, a place of security. That every single person who goes there is safe and secure. His life, his property, his honor, everything is safe over there. Now Allah is telling us about how that place came to be. What is the history of that place? Why is that place so important? So Allah is reminding us, He is teaching us over here about the way how the Kaaba was constructed. So وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدِ يَرْفَعُ is from Rafa'in. Rafa'a Rafa is to raise something, to lift something up, and this could be in two ways. First of all, in the physical sense, so for example, there's a book on the floor, you pick it up and you put it on the table. Have you raised it? Yes, you have. Secondly, Rafa'a is in the intangible sense. For example, somebody's status. They were a worker and now they are the boss. So hasn't their status been elevated? It has been lifted up. So it's in two ways. In the tangible sense and also in the intangible sense. So, وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ Ibrahim Ibrahim what was he lifting? What was he raising? Al-Qawa'id, the foundations. The foundations of the Kaaba. So over here, Rafa'a is physical. This is tangible. And the word Qawa'id is the plural of Qa'ida. Qaf, Ain, Dal. And what does Qa'ida mean? Qa'ida is the foundation of something. You may have studied the Qa'ida when you were learning how to recite the Qur'an. Where you're told this is A-Bata, this is A-A-A-A-E-U, Babibu. It's the primary book which is the foundation of what? Learning to recite the Qur'an. So Qawa'id, foundations. Anytime that a building is constructed, anytime that a structure is put up, what is the first step? What is the first thing that has to be made? That has to be made properly? The foundations. If the foundations are not there, then that entire structure is going to collapse. Just recently I was driving by downtown and I saw a huge place that had been dug really deep. And I believe they are constructing a new building over there. But it was so deep, I was amazed. So you can see the tall structure, but under it is what? A very strong, solid, deep foundation. If that foundation is not there, then that's it. The structure cannot stand for very long. So Ibrahim when he was constructing the Kaaba, how did he begin? That the foundations of the Kaaba that were already there, he began lifting them up in the sense that he began constructing them higher and higher and taller and taller. The house of Allah, the Kaaba, when was it constructed the first time? It has been said that the angels were the ones who built it the first time. Adam a.s. then, after the flood of Nuh a.s., obviously the flood covered the entire earth, according to some scholars. So the Kaaba 
that was also affected. The house of Allah was also affected. So Ibrahim salam was commanded by Allah to reconstruct the Kaaba. So the foundations were already there. But Ibrahim salam he strengthened them and then he built the Kaaba on top of that. The very first place that Allah had designated where the Kaaba should have been, that is exactly where Ibrahim salam constructed the Kaaba. So وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ الْبَيْتِ بَيَّاتَ The house of Allah meaning the Kaaba. Who was constructing the Kaaba along with him? وَإِسْمَعِيلُ Who is Ismail a.s.? The son of Ibrahim a.s. Remember when Ismail a.s. was very young, Ibrahim a.s. left him where? In Mecca. And Ibrahim a.s. left. And he came back several times. And when he came back once, Ismail a.s. was still young at that time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded that he should construct the Kaaba and Ismail helped him in that. So both father and son, what were they building? The house of Allah. They weren't building their own house. A father and son, they're working. Working hard. Physical labor is involved. They're putting in so much effort. And they're building a house not for themselves, but they're building a house, a place, so that people come and worship Allah over there. Many people, all of their efforts are dedicated to what? Just making their own life. All of their efforts are dedicated to making their own lives comfortable. We should have a house and we should have this and we should have that. But Ibrahim and Ismail salam, their efforts were different. They were dedicating their efforts to build the house of Allah. And look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appreciated their efforts so much. He accepted their deed that He mentioned it in the Qur'an thousands of years after they had passed away to be remembered for eternity. So Ibrahim and Ismail, both of them were constructing the Kaaba. Ibrahim was mainly constructing and Ismail was his helper. What were they saying at that time? They were saying, Rabbana, O our Lord, taqabbal minna, you accept from us. O our Lord, taqabbal, taqabbal is from qaf balam, qubul, to accept. You accept minna from us. Accept what from us? What we are doing, this deed, this effort of ours, accept this from us. Think about it. First of all, they are prophets, not ordinary people. And then on top of that, what are they doing? They are not doing something to please themselves, but they are doing something for the sake of Allah, for the sake of His religion, so that Allah may be worshipped. Such an honorable, such an obviously good deed. Wasn't it a good deed? Wasn't it very obvious that it was a good deed? But look at their concern. Look at their worry. Oh Allah, you accept this from us. Because no matter what deed a person does, if it is not accepted, it is useless. If Allah does not accept it, then it will carry no weight at all. It will bring to a person no benefit, neither in this world nor in the hereafter. So look at their concern. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ minna. Oh our Lord, you accept this from us. And this only comes from a person who truly worships Allah, who is truly humble before Allah. He doesn't think that no matter what he does, Allah should accept it because what he's doing is good. No, he realizes that the decision is with Allah. It is up to him to accept or reject. And what is it that causes deeds to be accepted? When they are done sincerely for the sake of Allah. And when they are done in the best way possible. If we do a half-half job, if we do something not with our hearts fully involved. We're detached from it. And if we're doing something, not to please Allah, but just to seek the praise of people, just to get the work done, will that deed be accepted? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is Al-Aziz. 
And one of the meanings of Al-Aziz is Dhul Izzah. The one who is very noble, very honorable. And the one who is very honorable, the one who has a very high status, what does he like? Cheap things? Things that are done, actions that are done half-heartedly? No. If you want Allah to accept something from you, it better be good. Not in its appearance necessarily only, but also in its quality. Because a deed may be very small, but if it's done with absolute sincerity, Allah will accept it. But if a deed may be very big, but it's done for other than the pleasure of Allah, then what will happen? It will not be accepted. I'm sure all of you are familiar with the hadith in which we learn that a man will be brought on the Day of Judgment and Allah will remind him of the different favors that Allah had bestowed upon him. And Allah will ask, what did you do? And he will say, that, Oh Allah, I believed in your book, I read your book, I memorized your book, I recited your book. This is just the gist of the hadith. So Allah will say that you did not do it for my sake, you're lying. You did it so that you would be called a qari. You would be called a reciter. So you were called a reciter and now you have no reward. Apparently the deed is very big. But because it was not for the sake of Allah, Allah will not accept it. On the other hand, a deed may be very small. Once when the Prophet ﷺ was leaving with his companions for an expedition, they were very short on their resources. And the Prophet ﷺ encouraged all the people to bring whatever they could. And one of the companions, he worked all night. All that he could bring was a handful of dates. A handful of dates. To what? To support an army that's going to fight the Romans. Imagine. He brought that handful of dates and the Prophet ﷺ took them and put them at the top of everything that had been piled up. Because the deed was apparently very small. But because it was done with dedication, with sincerity, Allah accepted it. So we should not just worry about the quantity. We should not be worried about just the appearance of the deed, that yes, this is supposed to be a good deed. But we should be worried about the state of our hearts. That how are we doing it? Because if the state is not good, the deed does not carry any value whatsoever. So look at the worry, the concern of Ibrahim Ismail. That Rabbana taqabbal minna. Oh our Lord, you accept this from us. Because if Allah does not accept it, then that entire deed is useless. It's a waste. A waste of effort. So remember, whenever we are doing anything, whether it is praying salah, or it is reciting the Qur'an, or it is giving charity, or it is even memorizing the lesson, or it is coming on time to class, taking this class seriously, dedicatedly doing our work, it should be for the sake of who? For the sake of Allah. Because if Allah will accept this from us, only then will this effort be useful. And if Allah does not accept it, then our studying all of this is just a waste of energy, a waste of time. It will not bring any benefit. So any good deed we do, any good deed, seek through that the pleasure of Allah. Worry about this, that, Oh Allah, accept it. Rabbana taqabbal minna. Oh our Lord, you accept this from us. Now what does it mean by Allah accepting a deed? Accepting a deed means that Allah accepts it with happiness, that Allah is happy with the action that the servant has performed. You know when you do something to please someone, how would you do it? For example, you are bringing food, you are for example hosting a dinner for your friends. Why? Because you want to make them happy. Okay, they graduated, they were successful in whatever they were doing, you want to make them happy and you want to show them how much you care for them, you love them. So what will you do? What kind of a dinner will you have? Sitting in your bedroom, ordering food from a restaurant? Is that what you will do? Sitting on the floor, eating out of paper plates? Is that what you will do? 
No. You will clean up your house. You will set up the entire dining table. You will prepare the food yourself. And you will prepare the very best. Why? Because you want to make them happy. That's your goal. So if we want to make Allah happy with our deeds, then how should we be performing our deeds? With excellence, with ihsan. So one of the keys to the acceptance of deeds is what? Ikhlas, sincerity. But the other very important factor is ihsan, excellence, that a person does what he does in the best way possible. In the best way that he is able to do so. For example, if we are reciting the Qur'an, should we be reciting just for the purpose of completing the entire page? Or completing the juz? Just hurriedly rushing? Whether we're yawning, or we're dozing off, or we're feeling sleepy, we don't care, we just keep reciting however we're reciting? No! Do it with excellence that Allah likes it, He appreciates it. Because that will be the cause of acceptance. Many times it happens that when a person is doing something to please others, what will he do? He will go out of his way to do something in front of others so that other people can also appreciate. But when a person is doing something for the sake of Allah, then he will try to stay away from people, do it in darkness, do it in secret, do it in private so that people don't find out. Why? Because if people find out, then shaitan will immediately start whispering in your head, see she's watching you. Yes, yes, you open the Qur'an in front of her. Yeah, yeah, you can show that you also recite the Qur'an. So shaitan, what does he do? He spoils our intention and as a result, wastes that deed. And only if a person is doing something for the sake of Allah, can he do it alone, when nobody is watching him. Tell me, who was in the desert watching Ibrahim and Ismail constructing the Karba? Who was there? Nobody was there. There were no people applauding them, congratulating them, encouraging them, clapping as they were struggling to construct the Karba. There was nobody to watch them. They were doing this for the sake of Allah. And it's enough that Allah is watching. This is why their concern was, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا O our Lord, accept this from us. And when Allah is happy with the deed of a person, then what will He do? He will definitely reward that person. Acceptance is what? When Allah is happy with the deed of the person, and He also, as a result, rewards him for that. And they said, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Indeed you are a samir the one who hears, al-alim, the one who knows. There are no people over here listening to us. There are no people over here watching us. Only you hear us, only you watch us. So because you hear and you watch, Oh Allah, accept this deed of ours. You hear what we say. You hear our thoughts. And you know our state, our effort, our dedication. So, O oh Allah, you accept this from us. And remember that the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as-samir, summer, listening, hearing, is of two types. One is of hearing the words, and the second is of acceptance. So over here, as-samir, that you hear what we say, and you also accept. So, O oh Allah, accept this from us. And you are knowing, knowing of our state. In this ayah, we learn many lessons. First of all, we learn about the great virtue of constructing the Kaaba. How do we learn about this? Allah is mentioning this incident to us. And He's telling us, وَإِذْ Recall this, remember this, don't forget this. So it shows how great of a deed it is to construct the Kaaba. You might say, okay, we can't do that, it's already constructed, and there are people who are already taking care of it. There are some ways in which we can also participate. We can also have a share in this reward. First of all, we can help out in the maintenance of the haram. Next time you go for umrah or hajj, look for those people who are actually collecting the funds to maintain the karba, to maintain the haram. 
And Alhamdulillah, now they have some offices where you can actually go and give money. So next time you go, make sure you give even a little bit of money, whatever you can afford to do so. Because remember, when you are contributing in the maintenance of the haram, imagine any person who comes there and worships Allah, yes, that reward goes to them, but it also goes to you. Because you enable them to do so in whatever way that you could. We can help in the construction of other masajid, other places of worship. Yes, the Kaaba, alhamdulillah, it's taken care of, it's already built, people take care of it, but any other masjid that is being built or that has to be maintained, we can also contribute so that we also get rewarded for the worship that is done over there. Another important lesson that we learn from this verse is the highest status of Ibrahim and Ismail. Where do we learn that from? Ordinary people are not given the opportunity to serve the deen of Allah in this way. If a person is given the opportunity to serve the deen of Allah, then they are very lucky. They are very fortunate. Allah has blessed them with a great blessing. So if someone has been given the chance to construct the Kaaba, inshallah, this is a sign of what? Of how good they are in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah gives a tawfiq to do good deeds to who? To those who are worthy. Think about it. If a person is made the manager of a place, is it just any person? Any ordinary person? No. There must be something about them in them, which is why they were given the opportunity to become the manager. If somebody is given promotion at work, is it for no reason? No, it's because it is seen that they are worthy of that. So if a person is given the opportunity to do something good, then inshallah, this is a sign of your high status in the sight of Allah. So if we have been given the opportunity in any way to serve the deen of Allah, then we should take it as a blessing of Allah. This is not something to be proud about. This is not something to feel overwhelmed of. No, be happy that Allah gave you this chance. There are so many other people out there to whom Allah did not give that chance to, but He gave that chance to you. For instance, if we have been asked in any way to help out to volunteer at a masjid, at an institute, Islamic organization, in any way whatsoever, don't take it as another burden. No, take it as a blessing. Because Allah does not give these opportunities to every person. Then we also learn in this verse that we should cooperate with one another in doing good things. Ibrahim was mainly constructing the Kaaba. Who was helping him? His son Ismail. For example, if our parents are doing something good, should we not help them out over there? Should we not cooperate with them? We should. Yes, they could do it on their own, but if we put in our share, will we not get the reward as well? Of course, inshallah. Many times it happens that, for example, our mother is busy doing something. She wants to go volunteer at a masjid, she wants to go help out somewhere. And we just complain, they're so busy, my mother is so busy, my father has become so busy, they have no time for us. Since she started taking this course, you know, that's it, I've said goodbye to her. No, she's busy, help her out so that you also can contribute in that. And there are many times when we see that, for example, mother and daughter, they're doing the same thing, father and son doing the same thing. And you know what? When families work together, this is also a means of bonding between them. This is also a means of them coming close to one another. I have seen at this institute even how many times the mother is working and the daughter is working. Or the mother and the daughter-in-law are both volunteering together, working together. And it's amazing to see the entire family is involved. So we should cooperate with one another, help one another in doing good deeds. Ibrahim and Ismail, both of them were constructing the karma. Then we also learn in this ayah about the importance of the acceptance of good deeds. 
اہمیت القبول بیکاز اف آور ڈیٹس ناٹ ایکسپٹیڈ دین اٹ واز اے ویسٹ آف این ایفرٹ دا پروفٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم سیٹ رب صائم حظه من صیامه الجوع والظما There are so many of those people who fast, but what do they get out of their fast? Just hunger and thirst. They were fasting all day long, but their fast was not accepted. What did they get out of their fast? Just hunger and thirst. And there are so many people who pray, qiyam at night, but what do they get out of it? Just waking up at night. That's it. Staying awake at night. That's all they get out of it. they earn no reward for the effort that they have put in because their effort, their deed was not accepted. So no matter what deed we are doing, be concerned about its acceptance. Because if it's not accepted, then that is very worrisome. Ibrahim a.s., Ismail a.s., they prayed more. They said, Rabbana, O our Lord, وَجَعَلْنَا and make us جِمْعَيْنْ لَامْ You make us مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكْ مُسْلِمَيْنِ Do a lot, Muslim. Seen Lam Meem, Islam, to submit, to fully surrender. So, O oh Allah, make us those who submit Laka to you. Make us of those who are fully, entirely submitted, that we don't submit to our desires, but we submit to you. So when your command comes, we accept that, even if our desires come in the way, even if the people come in the way. Give us the ability that we prefer you over everyone. وَجْعَلَّ مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ Make us of those who submit to you. Why do you think Ibrahim and Ismail are making this dua? Were they not already Muslims? Yes, they were. They were believers. They had submitted to Allah, which is why they were constructing the Kaaba. So why are they saying, Oh Allah, make us of those who submit to you. وَجَعَلَّا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ Why? Even when a person is a Muslim, you say that yes, we submit to Allah, I submit to Allah. But it's quite possible that you learn about a particular command and you find it very difficult to do it. And because of that, you don't follow it. Instead, you follow your own wishes. So are you a Muslim then? No, you were Muslim, but did you continue to be Muslim? No. So when they're praying, وَجْعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكْ They are praying that, Oh Allah, keep us firm on this way. Make us of those who are constantly submitting to you. Not when they feel like and when it's convenient, but all the time. Throughout our lives. وَجْعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكْ And the fact is that no person can say, can claim that I will remain righteous until the end of my life. We don't know what might happen in the future that might change the state of our hearts. Don't we see people who are very good, very righteous, how they fall? There could be a person who is doing a very good deed and then all of a sudden they stop. Or all of a sudden, they completely change. There are people, for example, who have studied the Qur'an, but what happens? When they go into company that is bad, that affects them adversely, they don't even look like people who have ever even opened the Qur'an. So the fact is that we cannot guarantee the security, the safety of our iman. This happens only by the tawfiq of Allah. And this is the reason why they are praying, وَجْعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكْ Meaning, keep us Muslim. Don't let us deviate. Don't let us fall. Don't let us go astray. Even with regards to the Prophet ﷺ, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, ayah 74, وَلَوْلَا أَن سَبَّتْنَاكَ And if we had not kept you firm, لَقَدْ كِدْتَ تَرْكَنُوا إِلَيْهِمْ شَيْئًا قَلِيلًا You would have inclined to them a little bit. And if you had inclined to them, if you had listened to them, then you would have been punished very severely in this world and in the year after. 
So imagine the Prophet ﷺ, about him Allah says, if we had not made you firm. So this firmness, this stability in the religion, this comes from who? Allah alone. And this is the reason why they're saying, رَبَّنَا وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ And many times it happens that if a person performs a good deed, one big good deed, then shaitan comes to him and says, yeah, you're so good. Inshallah, you'll be fine. You know, you've done so many good deeds in the past. You already do such and such. So don't worry, you'll be fine. And that is where shaitan leads people astray. There are people, for instance, who are very righteous, who are very pious, and then one day they see somebody very pious in their dream, apparently very pious, who says to them, you don't need to pray anymore. And they stop praying. Because you're so high up there, you're so good, you're so righteous, you don't even need to pray anymore. And then what happens? They go astray. They come into the trap of shaitan. Shaitan overpowers them. So no person can guarantee that they will remain firm on the right path. This is why we need to continuously pray to Allah, وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ Even though we may be Muslim at the time. وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِنَا And also from our children, أُمَّةً A nation, مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ One that has submitted to you. وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِنَا ذُرِّيَّتِنَا ذُرِّيَّةِ ذُرِّيَّةِ is offspring, children, descendants. So from our descendants, whose descendants? Ibrahim, Ismail. So Ibrahim alayhis son was Ismail. So basically from the descendants of who? Ismail alayhis salam. Ummatan, an entire nation, an entire community. And what is the characteristic of that community? Muslimatan lak. Muslimah. This is a feminine of Muslim. Who is Muslim? One who has submitted to Allah. So O oh Allah, make us of those who submit to you and from our offspring, Make a nation who is also submitted to you. Who is this nation referring to? This nation is referring to the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because Allah accepted the dua of Ibrahim and Ismail, and from the descendants of Ismail alaihissalam came Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Those who follow him, who are they? They are Muslim. Those who have submitted to Allah, and remember that submission to Allah is in two ways. In the zahir as well as in the batin. Zahir, that on the apparent, a person has submitted to Allah. For example, a person says, he shows that he is a believer. A person proves by his actions that he is an obedient servant of Allah. So for example, when it comes to pray, he doesn't just stay sitting. But what does he do? He gets up and prays. When it comes time to give zakat, he doesn't just keep his wallet zipped up. No, he does take the zakat out and give it. So on the apparent, he is submitted to Allah. But Islam is not only zahir, it is also batin. On the inside, in the heart. For example, with regards to the decree of Allah, the decisions of Allah, what Allah decides for you in your life, what happens, what does not happen. What is the state of the heart? Is it submitting, accepting, or is it rebelling, complaining, being ungrateful, being upset, being angry? Similarly, not just that a person prays in front of people and in his heart, he is somewhere else. No. Praying on the outward and also on the inside. So the body and the heart are both involved. Make us Muslims and make our children Muslims. وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا And show us our rituals. أَرِنَا رَا هَمْزَيَا رَأْيٌ رَأْيٌ is to see. And أَرَا يُرِي is to make someone else see. To show. So, Ari, this is a command from Arayuri. And what does it mean? To show someone. So, Ari, you show na to us. 
You make us see. You show to us. What? Manasikana. Manasik is the plural of mansak. And it's from the root letters noon, seen, kaf. Nusuk, from the same root. Nusuk is used for ibadah. Worship. Act of worship. It's also used for sacrifice. At Eid al-Adha, we slaughter animals. That is also nusuk. Or for example, when people go for hajj and to slaughter animals over there, what is that? Nusuk. Slaughter. Sacrifice. Inna salati wa nusuki. Indeed my prayer and my sacrifice. Nusuk. Mansak, which is a singular of manasik, is the place where an act of worship, where a ritual is performed. Mansak or mansik, both. With a fatha and also a dhamma. It is first of all the place where a ritual is performed. And secondly, it is also used for the ritual itself. It is also used for the ritual itself. So what are the two meanings? The place where a ritual is performed and secondly the ritual itself. For example, tawaf. What is tawaf? It is an act of worship. And is tawaf performed anywhere? No, it's performed at a particular place. Similarly, the qiyam at Arafah. Is it done anywhere? It's only done where? At Arafah. And at Arafah, can you just lie down and sleep all day? If you're going for hajj, you have to stand. If you can't stand all day long, you have to stand for some time at least, because otherwise the ritual is not fulfilled. Similarly, rami, rami al-jimaf, the throwing of the stones when you go for hajj. Is it done anywhere? So for example, I can stand here and pretend this is the jimaf and start throwing stones here? No. It's an act of worship and it's also supposed to be done at a particular place. So you understand what manasik are? Manasik of hajj, the rituals of hajj. There are certain acts of worship that are supposed to be performed at certain places and also at certain times. So Ibrahim alayhi Ismail alayhi they prayed, O oh Allah, wa arina manasikana. And show us our ways of worship. Show us our rituals. Show us the places. Show us how to worship you, in other words. We don't know how to worship you. You teach us the way. You teach us how to. Wa arina manasikana. And notice the word arina. The word alimna has not been used, but arina. What is alimna? You teach us. But arina, show us, make us see. What's the difference? Arina is when something is made clear to such an extent that it is as though a person can see it, he can visualize it. When something has been clarified, it has been explained in so much detail that it is as though you can visualize it in your own head, in your own mind. It is as though you can see it before your own eyes. And it also means that point out, show us exactly where. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught them exactly where and how to worship Allah. وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا وَتُبَ عَلَيْنَا And also turn to us, meaning accept our repentance. تُبَ عَلَيْنَا تَوَوْبَ تَوْبَ What does tawba mean? Repentance. Remember that one is the tawbah of the servant and the other is the tawbah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawbah literally means to turn. So, tawbah of Allah is, first of all, when Allah gives the tawfiq to a servant to repent. When Allah gives the ability to a servant to repent to Allah. So many people, they do wrong things. But do they feel any guilt in their heart? Do they feel sorry in their heart? Do they actually turn to Allah seeking His forgiveness? No. Everybody doesn't do that. There are only some people who were given this ability because Allah gave them that ability. Allah turned to them in mercy. Second comes the tawbah of the servant that he turns to Allah seeking his forgiveness. 
And then comes the tawbah of Allah again. That Allah accepts the tawbah of the servant. So you understand how it goes? First of all, Allah does tawbah to the servant. That Allah gives the ability to the servant to repent. Then what happens? The servant repents to Allah. And then Allah accepts the repentance. So tawbah for Allah twice. And for the servant once. This is why Allah is called At-Tawwab. So وَتُّبَ alayna, Accept our repentance. Give us tawfiq to repent. And when can a person have that? When he realizes his mistakes. Because many times we do wrong things, but we don't even realize. We don't even realize our mistakes. So make us realize our sins. Make us realize our shortcomings. Don't make us of those people who pretend that nothing wrong is being done. Or who don't listen to the guilt of their heart. Who don't realize their faults, who keep covering them up, pretending that they don't exist. No, make us realize our faults so that we can repent to you. And then when we do repent to you, then oh Allah, accept our repentance. وَتُبَ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ Indeed you, you alone are at-tawwab. Who is at-tawwab? The greatest acceptor of repentance. The one who accepts repentance again and again. And al-Rahim, the one who is merciful, who shows mercy, who forgives. Wipes off the sin as if it never existed. Removes its consequences completely so that a person is safe and secure. He's clean. There's a hadith in which we learned that That the one who repents from a sin is like the one who never committed any sin. This is how Allah completely washes away the sin. So he is at-tawwab and he is also al-rahim. What do we see in this ayah? That Ibrahim and Ismail, both of them, they're constructing the Kaaba. And as they're constructing, they're also making dua. They're also praying to Allah. As if they're talking to Allah. And whenever a person is doing something for the sake of Allah, his heart must be involved in it. Because if the heart is not involved, if the spirit is not there, then that effort is going to be dry. It's not going to bring any enjoyment, any satisfaction to the person. In fact, by the end he's going to be just tired and exhausted. This is just like some people when they're doing their work, they do it very passionately. And other people, they're just doing their work to get it over with. You may see a woman, for example, she's cooking and she's enjoying, you know, smelling the fragrance. And she's enjoying the color, the texture, the taste. And there are other people who are just rushing it quickly, quickly. Don't care about how the onions are being chopped. I don't care about what it looks like. I don't care about what it tastes like. Just get it over with. Is there a difference in the result? Huge difference. The one who is passionately involved, you can see that effect in the food. And the one who is just getting it over with, you can see it in the food as well. Whenever I make chapatis and I end up burning one or two, my father says, were you upset? Were you angry? Because I can see the anger in chapatis, in your bread that you made. So your feelings really affect the work that you're doing. If your heart is fully involved, you're doing it passionately, the work will be beautiful. And if your heart is not involved at all, it will be dry. It will have no flavor, no beauty in it. So Ibrahim, Ismail, when they're constructing the Kaaba, look at how passionately involved they are. They're constantly making dua to Allah. Oh Allah, accept us. Oh Allah, make us Muslims. Oh Allah, don't make this the last deed. Keep us Muslims so that we keep performing good deeds one after the other. Keep us firm on this way. And make us like this and make our children like this. And accept our repentance, have mercy on us. Look at their du'as, how involved they are. رَبَّنَا وَجْعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكْ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكْ وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا 
No, this is dua. Arina manasikana. They're constructing the Kaaba. Why? So that people can worship Allah. But how can people worship Allah if they don't know how to worship Allah? So this is why they pray that, Oh Allah, also show us how to worship. Show us, teach us how we're supposed to please you. What do we learn in this verse? We learn first of all about how needy people are before Allah. Look at Ibrahim and Ismail. They're doing something so good. But constantly, what are they saying? Rabbana, 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 Oh our Lord, Oh our Lord. Who says this? Someone who is very small, needy before the other. So the human being, mankind, is always, always needy before Allah. No matter what great things we accomplish, no matter what great deeds we do, we are still needy before Allah. And this is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ, when he conquered Makkah, as he was entering Makkah, how did he enter? He was sitting in a posture on his animal, his beard was almost touching the hump of the camel. So low, so humble, so humble. So no matter what we achieve, we must realize that we are still needy before Allah. Then we also learn in this verse that people are dependent on Allah for what? For firmness in religion. For steadfastness in religion. Staying firm in doing good things. Because what happens is that when we are doing something good, difficulties always come in the way. You may have seen it yourself. When you started the weekend course, perhaps it seemed very easy, very enjoyable. Yeah, we get everything done. But then after a few months, you're like, this is getting a little difficult. I have to wake up every day, seven days a week, early in the morning. I have to leave the house every day, seven days a week. Difficulties do come. No matter what you are doing, difficulties will come. So what do we need over there? The help of Allah in staying firm. Because if we depend on ourselves, if we depend on other people to help us keep firm, we cannot stay firm. Because one day, what will happen? We will feel weak. One day, people will discourage us. There were people who were very supportive. Yes, inshallah, we'll do this. Yes, you should go and you should study. But then one day they say, are you sure you want to continue? So if we depend on ourselves, if we depend on people, then we cannot stay firm. Whose help do we need? Allah's help. And this is why Ibrahim and Ismail prayed, رَبَّنَا وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَا Keep us constantly submissive to you. Then we also know in this verse about the importance of ikhlas, the importance of sincerity. Because notice how they're saying, مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ To you alone. وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ Because if there is no ikhlas, if there is no sincerity, then deeds are not accepted. Then we also learn in this verse that when a person is praying to Allah for something good, he should also remember his children, his offspring, his future generations. Because they're making dua, Oh Allah, make us Muslim. But they're also saying that, Oh Allah, make our dhuriyah Muslim, our children Muslim. Then we also learn in this verse that acts of worship, the ways of worshipping Allah, whether it is hajj or it is zakah or it is salah or it is fasting, any act of worship, this has been taught by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Acts of worship cannot be invented by people. They cannot be made up by people. They are fixed and they are taught by Allah. Because notice, Ibrahim alayhi salam, he said, وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا You teach us how to worship you. Not that Ibrahim alayhi salam invented himself, 
Okay, people should come for Hajj. And yes, we should go around the Kaaba seven times. And yes, we should go to Minan. Yes, we should go to Arafah. And yes, we should do this. No, he didn't make it up himself. The Prophet ﷺ did not make this up himself. Who taught this way of worship? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when it comes to worship, when it comes to rituals, remember this rule. We are not allowed to worship Allah in any way except what He has taught us. Except what He has specified. So we cannot invent ways of worship. This verse also shows to us the importance of tawbah. That every person should do tawbah. Every person. Ibrahim, Ismail, alayhim wassalam. Were they not the righteous, pious people? Always sacrificing for the sake of Allah? Yes. But still, they're the ones who are repenting to Allah. Because human beings are weak. And we never know, unintentionally, not even realizing, we might do something to earn the anger of Allah. It's quite possible because we're human beings. Adam a.s. when he ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree, did he do it with the intention of disobeying Allah? Yes, I should make Allah upset with me. Never. He forgot. He didn't realize. So we are human beings. And no matter how righteous we may think we have become, no matter how knowledgeable we think we have become, after all we are human beings and we are prone to making mistakes. So this is why constantly do tawbah. This also shows to us that إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ تَوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ That only Allah is the one who can forgive sins. Only Allah is the one who accepts repentance. So when a person does something wrong, who should he turn to? Allah, seeking His forgiveness and mercy.